Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. You heard the breaking news. Uh, A verdict has been reached in the federal trial of three former Minneapolis police officers charged in the death, murder of George Floyd. They deliberated for nearly two days we are anxiously awaiting the um, the announcement of the verdict. We will be taking it live here on WCCO Radio. Paul, that's where David is, right? He's out figuring out how we're going to take that live. I believe so, yeah. And okay. It, again, any time here in the next few minutes, uh, and we will break away and go live as that verdict mm-hmm. is read. Again, uh, all-white jury of 12. Uh, deciding the fate of these three former MPD officers. They're charged with depriving George Floyd of his right to medical care. Um, uh, Kung and Tao also faced another federal charge. Those are two of the officers. King and Tao also faced another federal charge, accusing them of failing to intervene to stop Derek Chauvin during that day on May 25th of 2020. When Derek Chauvin's neck, or excuse me, knee, was on the neck of George Floyd for nine minutes, causing his death. Obviously, that was captured on video. Worldwide protests ensued. And now, of course, we are awaiting the the uh, the verdict that uh, for the three ex-officers. We know, of course, Derek Chauvin was convicted of murder in the case of George Floyd. During the closing arguments in this case... Prosecutors said that the three ex-officers violated their training and chose to do nothing while Chauvin killed Floyd. But we were hearing, of course, during the case, those of us that have been following, the attorneys said that they weren't properly trained. They weren't properly trained to intervene. Uh, one of the officers was, was a novice king, uh, was, was a novice. He, he had only been on the force a very short time. Uh, so he, of course, was trying to execute what he thought, well, he claims was the chain of his command and not question the more senior officers uh, there. And the, the defense attorneys say that, that these two of these three officers, at least, were too inexperienced and they were just deferring to Chauvin's leadership. leadership. Hmm. So, again, it's an interesting, this is an interesting debate. Are you going to blame training? What about humanity? What about the humanity of what is actually happening in front of you and breaking ranks when humanity comes before just following orders, sir? So I think humanity is on trial here as well. And again, the notion of paramilitary training came up. Um, Mm -hmm. 
you know, the kind of training that soldiers get uh, in terms of, you know, knees on necks to subdue somebody, to keep them uh, on the ground, to keep them inactive. And, Jort, the uh, my understanding, deliberations began yesterday, uh, and there are reports that it took about 13 hours for this jury to reach the verdict, which will be announced here shortly, live here on CCO. Obviously, we're going to carry that live and then follow up uh, throughout the rest of the show. Mm-hmm. But um, we're in a holding pattern right now until we hear more from the jury, from the judge. Yeah, one of one of the key factors, of course, in this case was whether the defendants acted willfully. Did they mean to murder him? Did they act with a bad purpose or an improper motive? Uh, That is also part of the trial today. So intent, because intent does matter, even in criminal trials and civil trials, it does matter. Uh, So that is all taken into account. And um, even after whatever happens today, all three of these former officers will face a state trial in June on charges accusing them of aiding and abetting murder and manslaughter. Sure, we're going to go to Laura Oaks in the newsroom with the very latest. Hey, Laura. Hi, guys. Yes, we've been monitoring um, multiple media outlets and do have some news out of the courtroom regarding these verdicts this afternoon. There were uh, multiple counts to consider, but what we know so far is that uh, all three officers were found guilty in this case. And the, d- the different counts to consider here, we need to break them down by each individual former officer. Two Tau was found guilty of both count two and count three. Count two had to do with failing to intervene. Count three was failing to render medical aid. Two Tau found guilty on both of those counts. Uh, J. Alexander King also found guilty of failing to intervene and failing to render medical aid. And Thomas Lane, the other officer, was only charged with the uh, failing to render medical aid. He was also apparently found guilty on uh, that count. Uh, another thing that I've been uh, hearing this afternoon is that many observers think that the the jury did not take very long to uh, find these verdicts where, you know, there, were, there was much to consider and it had only... Uh, deliberated for about 13 hours in this case. So as far as we can tell here, all three officers found guilty of all of the counts that they were charged with, and uh, it's wrapped up. That's it. Hey, Laura, can you hear me okay? I can. Okay. Uh, do, do we have, was there a pool court reporter? Is yes. there anybody outside? What, what, can you give us some reaction uh, uh, when no, this verdict was Not read? yet, not yet. I'm still okay. just gathering as much as I can at the moment. Okay. Well, we appreciate that, and thank you for keeping us up to date while we're here on the air. We will go to Laura when we hear uh, anything that is breaking and certainly be looking for any reaction. Uh, let's take a quick break. Go ahead, Paul. Sorry. No, I was just going to say, too, and, and we don't know what we don't know, but it will come out shortly. But uh, my understanding now that uh, these three former MPD officers have been found guilty, the jury also had to decide whether their actions caused George Floyd's death? If the answer is yes, apparently the judge can use that determination to give these three officers longer prison sentences. So we will find out answers to that and other things, but we wanted you to get it first right here on CCO. We'll be right back. 20 minutes after four o'clock, Jordana, Paul, David at the helm. Breaking news now. Breaking news we are just learning within the last few moments. 
Former Minneapolis police officers Total, J. Alexander King, and Thomas Lane all found guilty and guys, of I'm gonna, violating. I'm going to jump George. in right now because we yep. do have uh, Professor Rachel Pelos from St. Thomas, who's gracious enough to join us to shed a little light on this. So say hi to ah, Rachel. Well, Terrific. great. Professor Polos, welcome. Thanks, Rachel. Thank you. Glad to be with you. And of course, you are learning this along with us. The former three Minneapolis police officers are now found guilty in violating George Floyd's civil rights by a federal jury in St. Paul today. So then walk us through the repercussions of this. What are the possible ramifications? How does this change, alter, extend whatever their punishments will be? Well, this is a completely separate trial than the state trial. So they are still going to be facing state murder charges, and that trial will now be able to go forward. Um, But they've been found guilty on all three counts. Uh, And so the first count was that they deprived Mr. Floyd of his constitutional right to be free of the use of unreasonable force. The second count was that they failed to intervene to stop Derek Chauvin's use of unreasonable force. And the third count was that they failed to provide him medical care and willfully failed to aid him. And so this is an across-the-board victory for the government. All three defendants found guilty on all three charges. Professor Pelosi, uh, one of the prosecuting attorneys said that each one of those officers made a conscious choice over and over again to basically not intervene. Uh, which which led to the death of George Floyd. We should mention that uh, Derek Chauvin received, what, 22 and a half years, and some people may say, well, we don't know if justice was done. It's it's a good start, but until we know how long the sentence is, I didn't realize this, but the punishment for violating somebody's civil rights can be as much as a life sentence, even the death penalty, depending on the Correct. specific circumstances. Mm-hmm. It's rare, though, uh, and and chances are, these three officers will will receive lighter penalties than that, correct? Well, uh, they're not going to receive the death penalty because the attorney general has to give advance notice of that. And um, there's never been a case in the history of the United States where the, where, um, uh, the death penalty has been sought where, um, well, I should say, there have been cases where the death penalty has been sought where someone actually dies, but there was no notice given here. Um, so we know they won't be facing that. Um, it's unlikely that they'll be facing life, given that the judge is, is uh, one of the things that he's required to think about when sentencing them is um, treating de- de- co-defendants proportionally. And since we already know the sentence that Derek Chauvin is facing is under 25 years, I would expect that these co-defendants would also receive sentences of under 25 years the judge has to look at something called the United States Sentencing Guidelines to determine the sentence in this case. And it's basically a matrix that um, measures both a defendant's prior criminal history, in this case none, along with the crime. And there's a numerical value assigned to the crime. So I tried to run the numbers for this case, and it looks like the minimum jail term uh, they'll be facing is about 27 months. Um, so just under about three years now do again they they will stand trial in june also for the murder of george floyd that is later and i guess we won't talk about uh, any possible (laughs) um uh repercussions of that but i i do imagine that the sentences do you have any idea if they could run concurrently if they have to run consecutively for whatever happens in june and i understand that that's in the future 
Yes, um, it's quite possible that the sentences will run concurrently, particularly because uh, we know that Derek Chauvin has asked to serve his time in a federal institution. Uh, and so um, we know already that, that he's facing a, a, a sentence that involves somewhat concurrent time. It doesn't, the sentences don't completely overlap, but that was part mm-hmm. of what he was seeking. And one of the things that his lawyer claimed was that, you know, he would be a target in prison uh, and he would be more likely to be protected in a federal institution than a state institution. So uh, I, th- I think um, for for those who watched the videotape of, of Mr. Floyd dying, we are very slowly seeing the wheels of justice come to bear uh, on this case. And again, we should remind people, if you're just tuning in right now to CCO, uh, a, a jury of 12 has just rendered their verdict, and it's guilty uh, for all three former police officers who were involved in George Floyd's death. Uh, They were all found guilty of violating his civil rights. Uh, Prosecutors had argued that the three men, again, consciously chose not to intervene as Derek Chauvin uh, had his knee on George Floyd's neck and that they violated their training juror by not giving him medical care and they said well they were deferring to Derek Chauvin you know he was uh, the officer in charge at the scene but apparently uh, the jury was not buying that that's right and and they showed what's called deliberate indifference to his medical needs as Derek Chauvin knelt on his neck now um Rachel Paulos is with us, Professor Rachel Paulos of, of St. Thomas. Uh, the jurors also found two of the officers, Tao and King, guilty of an additional charge for failing to intervene to stop Chauvin. Lane did not mm-hmm. face uh, that extra charge. And was that because when he testified, he claimed that he or, or maybe this was obviously before uh, for the charges were made. He claimed that he asked Chauvin to reposition Floyd, that he did try to intervene. Is is that what saved him from facing this extra charge? Well, we don't know the, the exact reasons for the prosecutor's decision on that case, but we do know that Lane had two factors that were in his favor. Is One, he alone of the group asked or appeared to be asking um, the others to move Mr. Floyd, to turn him over. And secondly, he had very little seniority. He, he had just come on the job, um, and Chauvin was the ranking officer on the scene. So he alone of the, the four seemed to recognize the dire position that Mr. Floyd was in and said something um, that I think could be construed to, to uh, suggest that he wanted to intervene. That he wanted to intervene. So intent mattered mm-hmm. here, and I guess the jury took that into account. We were we were talking about that right before you came on, uh, whether they mm-hmm. intended to help George Floyd. And uh, what kind of precedent is there for this? Have you seen a case like this in the past, and how did it play out? Well, we do have a number of these police brutality cases that are now being charged by the United States Department of Justice, for the most part, unsuccessfully. And I think that one of the things that we've talked about for, before is that the George Floyd case really did change the world. It really did change how we view police interactions with the community, the use of reasonable force, the need to resort to deadly force, and the recognition of that. I mean, in this case, the, the facts were 
much, much stronger than in the typical case, including because we had active bystanders taping the incident and themselves attempting to intervene. Um, it seemed that everybody recognized what was happening to Mr. Floyd, except the four officers on the scene, or if they did recognize it, that they were willfully indifferent to his needs. So la- last question, Professor Paulos, and thank you so much for joining us on short notice with your perspective. It is greatly appreciated. Apparently, uh, Judge Magnuson asked jurors, to view the evidence in light of what a, quote, reasonable officer at the scene would have done without the benefit of 2020 hindsight. And apparently, Mm -hmm. I didn't realize this, it violates the Constitution for any police officer to fail to intervene if he had knowledge that the force was unreasonable and the ability to help. Uh, Does does this... um, ring a bell for you again this is all news to me but but these were the final instructions that uh, the judge gave the jury yes and these instructions have been developed over time because of the increasing number of prosecutions that the department is bringing the department of justice as well as local and state uh uh entities And the Supreme Court has also spoken on what the standard should be. So that reasonable officer language that you read um, and what he should have known under the circumstances, that also comes from the United States Supreme Court. So there is a body of law that has been developed, is developing. uh, And um, the unique thing about this case is that the same words are being applied by jurors now to vindicate the cause of of people who have died at the hands of police, whereas that was not necessarily the case 10, 15 years ago. And I think we're seeing a major cultural shift in our country um, with this case and with this with a series of prosecutions, both state and federal. Hmm. Okay. Uh, just one more quick question. There, I have so many. <laughs> uh, as we mm-hmm. mentioned, the three officers are going to have a state trial in June on the charges of aiding and abetting in the killing of George Floyd. Uh, that was pushed back so we could have this trial, which was a federal trial first. They have pleaded not guilty to the charges of aiding and abetting. Do you think this will change their plea in any way? I would hope that they would think about the toll that this takes uh, on the community, on the family of Mr. Floyd, on all the people who would have to be involved in the trial. But they certainly have a constitutional right to go to trial, and they have a right to contest the state's evidence. Um, but certainly they are going to be having discussions with, with their attorneys, with their attorneys on the state side, about whether or not it makes uh, it's in their best interest to go forward to a trial because there are costs to a trial, not necessarily monetary costs, but um, costs in terms of a possible increased sentence if they go to trial, and particularly if they take the stand and if the judge finds that they're not truthful on the stand. Um, if all of those uh, factors are found by a judge, they could be facing more severe sentences than if they accepted a plea deal. So all of that, it's a, it's a good question in that um, you've asked, both of you have asked great questions on the spot during a rapidly developing situation to think about um, the the factors that now have to be prominent in the minds of these defendants and of their families and of counsel, because they still have decisions to make going forward. St. Thomas Law Professor Rachel Palos, you've given us a lot to unpack. And uh, again, thank you so much for joining us on short notice with your uh, 
context and perspective and analysis stuff you can't get from an app, even the Odyssey app, we can get from you. So thank you for, for thank weighing you, in today. Appreciate it, Rachel. Thank you for having me. Have a good afternoon. You too. Yeah, thank you, Professor. You know, this, I mean, this has been fascinating and tragic and all of those things it, happening in our backyard. It was really uh, the experience heard around the world, and it's caused such an awakening, I think, globally. Uh, one thing the um, assistant U.S. attorney said during closing arguments said that this wasn't a split-second decision, like a gunshot or a mistake. They said that the officers chose not to intervene. It wasn't 30 seconds. It wasn't a minute. It was nine minutes. And right. and I think that spoke to the intent of the other officers. And I know if I was sitting on that jury, that would have been very powerful for me to yeah. hear as well. Nine minutes is a long time. Absolutely. Long so, time. Uh, any new developments, we'll, we'll pass those on. Uh, yes. Thank you for hanging with us. Uh, we'll be right back. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. <laughs> I'm going to wait for that music a little bit. <laughs> hey, everyone. Jordana and Paul, thank you for joining us. Uh, we want to address the breaking news that we've been talking about now for about the last 20 minutes. Former Minneapolis police officers to Tao, J. Alexander King and Thomas Lane found guilty of violating George Floyd's civil rights by a federal jury in St. Paul today. They were found of depriving Floyd of his civil rights by showing deliberate indifference to his medical needs as Derek Chauvin knelt on George Floyd's neck for more than nine minutes, killing him. Uh, the jurors also found Tao and King guilty of an additional charge for failing to intervene to stop Chauvin. Lane didn't face that extra charge. He testified that he asked Derek Chauvin to move him while twice while uh, he was being Floyd was being restrained by Chauvin. Uh, we just spoke with uh, Professor Rachel Paulos. Professor Rachel Paulos is at the University of St. St. Thomas, former U.S. attorney. She has unique insight into that. If you missed that interview, please use the Odyssey app and use the rewind feature. You can hear the last 20 minutes uh, that we did with her. And we're also going to speak with attorney Mike Bryant uh, a little bit later in the broadcast, again, in reaction to these charges, or excuse me, to the verdict of guilty on all of all three officers. Uh, but we are going to take a little break right now. We usually, on Thursday, as we do at this time, talk with Todd Walker to talk about what is happening this weekend, if anybody is going out in this kind of weather. So he's joining us live on Facebook and on Twitter and here on WCCO Radio. Todd, uh, where are you? Well, guys, you know, it is blustery cold. It really is cold and the snow and it's slippery. So I've joined some friends and I'm calling you guys my friends today because we are also uh, going to share in some cocktails. I am at the Gnome Pub, and I'm going to be heading down to the Science Museum after this. But uh, when we get rolling here, guys, I have a cocktail for each one of us. You don't want to drink alone. So, Jordana, <laughs> Jordana, this is yeah. a tequila sunrise. Tequila sunrise. <laughs> nice. Mm -hmm. nice. And for Paul, I have a Hawaiian 
uh, tequila punch. So, Paul, this is for you. Oh, that mm-hmm. works. And yep. for those Umbrella listening drink. on radio, Todd is double fisting. He's got the yes. tequila sunrise yes. and the Hawaiian punch. Each Very one big of you, this. Todd. I know, but look, these are all great tropical drinks that I'm drinking. You know, it's so cold. You have to do something to trick the senses. Mm-hmm. So why not go in and drink mm-hmm. a tropical drink? And David, I'm not going to forget about you. This is a Long Island tea right here. So let's just say that last month was dry January, and it appears as if uh, I'm going to be taking part in this lonely blonde and uh, doing some carbo loading as well, guys. And you have to go out to Facebook Live and check out the size of this pretzel. Look <laughs> at this pretzel, guys. Oh, wow. This pretzel is huge. Yeah, Massive pretzel, the size of a head, uh, and with cheese. So I'm going to be taking part in all this. Get out in this weather and uh, trick the senses as I am doing. So if you want to go through some great things that are going on this weekend, and I do want to thank all of our great listeners I put out just a brief call uh, through social media last week and on air, because if you remember last year and the year before, uh, we had such a great response just saying, hey, where do you like fish fries? Mm -hmm. And it was absolutely humongous. So we're doing it again. We'll be doing it for the entire uh, period of Lent all the way up through Easter. So if you have a favorite spot where you like your fish fries, send them in and each week we'll share at least one or two. And uh, there's also a fish fry challenge that's going to be going on called Fish Fry Face-Off. So I'm going to introduce you to all of that. Vanita was a part of it this past week as well. But you guys, nice. I sent you over a list yeah. of all the things that are going on. Take a look at that. And um, I, I'm going to need to uh, have a sip of Paul's uh, uh, Hawaiian punch here also, okay? I like the little umbrella, too. Mm-hmm. Thank you. That's an, mm-hmm. a nice touch. Whoa. Um, my kind yeah. of umbrella. Yeah. Hey, um. With the pandemic fading, God willing, and some semblance of normalcy, happy to see the Twin Cities Bridal Show. I think a lot of brides are planning real weddings this year. Not backyard weddings, but real weddings. So what? St. Paul River Center. That's yeah, you know, Paul, that's interesting. That would be the one that you would pick out of this entire bunch. Well, I, I left the St. Paul Bridal Show for the very end. Thank you. Jordana's going to maybe grab at that. Not talking sexism here. But there's all these dude things that are going on all weekend long. Well, yeah. So I was saving that for the end to say, you know what you can do, guys? You can go to one of these events that I'm sharing, and then you can, you know, maybe just drop off the your the bride to be at the River Center, have them go and and check out all the things to plan their wedding, and uh, there's some beer pubs and some things I plan. But Paul, since you want to know about the bridal affair, we're going to lead with that, Paul. And yes, it's the Twin Cities Bridal Show happening down at the St. Paul River Center, and that's happening on Sunday from 12 to 4. Tickets are only $15. And guys, think of it this way. It is a one-stop shop. You walk in the door, and it is everything from A to Z to plan your wedding. I mean, they have the caterers there. You can try the different pieces of cake. Okay, I've been it before, and I've covered this for Fox. That's why I know so much about this. <laughs> But yeah, and so then you can, there's even musicians and a stage with different bands that play. They have different designers for dresses and your flowers, literally everything, one-stop shop. So it's going to be a great place. And I always say to my single guy friends, you know, you might want to just go down there and hang out in the lobby. You know, there's always, that's creepy. Come on. There's always, there's always, there's always bridesmaids. There's always mm-hmm. bridesmaids, so you just might want to hang out yeah. in front of the River Center. So that, yes, yeah, so Paul, that is going on this weekend, and that is happening once again on Sunday. Well, I'm interested. I thought the Olympics were over, but yet the 89th annual St. Paul Men's Curling Competition guys, is happening. 
Yeah, I had to share this one. Now, this, once again, I thought it's not far from the River Center. Drop off the ladies, maybe to go down to the bridal show, the ladies and Paul, and check out some of the great bridal gowns. But this is the, as you said, the 89th annual. Can we St. cut Paul his mic? <laughs> Can we? Saint, this is Saint going Paul. on way too long. St. <laughs> Paul Curling Competition. It's gonna, it is really great. If you've never been to the curling club, it's one of the oldest in the country. And you can go in as a spectator. They have an old-fashioned uh, like bar upstairs, the Woody Pine. They have like taps of like hams and some traditional beers, and they have a viewing area. So if you've always wanted to know what curling was all about, watch the board, the spectator. Even though the Olympics is over, Go up there and support all these teams that are going to be from all over the country. 32 different teams, events happening all weekend long. I've been in the past. It really is a great time. Okay. Let's just pick up one more, Paul, and then we'll have to get to the break and Mike Max and back well, Okay. Here's a dude thing. Uh, well, tell me about the Bad Weather Brewing Company, okay? Okay. Baker's all right. Market. So, uh, can I get some beer there? And what's the weather tie-in, okay? Okay. Well, all right. Sure. All right. So uh, Bad huh? Weather Brewery. I think I'm going to have a sip of uh, one of my Lonely Blondes here. But, yes, at Bad Weather Brewery, you can go in there, uh, try all their great, great beers. And then they also have a maker's market. So you can shop hmm. around, buy locally made items and uh, you know, enjoy a beer at the same time. So it's a great time. And they also have a pizza truck that's going to be parked out in front. And you won't see Paul there because he'll be down at the bridal show. Trust well, me, that's where Paul's no, going to be hanging out. I can out. do both. I can All do right. both. And, and I'm, I'm very pro-bride and, and bridesmaid, okay? They're actually hey, you, and you guys more fun also to hang pretty, out with than you, Todd. So. All right, Pretty Woman Pretty Woman is also at the, is at the State Theater. Look at the size of this pretzel. I mean, I was not kidding you. You've got to go on Facebook, and you have to see the Facebook Live. That is a huge pretzel, guys. Look at that. Enjoy it. Enjoy it. Oh, my gosh. Save me some. I'm going to dive in for some carbs. All right, guys. We'll see you next week, and send in those great fish fry ideas. I need to update my list. All right. Thanks, Todd. That's Todd Walker. Find him on social at Todd P. Walker uh, on all his social channels, and I will post a list on the Paul and Jordana Facebook page. Once again, still looking at uh, the breaking news, former Minneapolis police officers, all three of them, uh, uh, excuse me, Totow, J. Alexander King, Thomas Lane, fell guilty in violating George Floyd's civil rights by that federal jury in St. Paul. That has happened today. Use the Odyssey app to hear our interview with former U.S. Attorney, uh, U.S. District Attorney Rachel Paulos. We will also be covering this uh, in the next hour with Attorney Mike Bryant. Take a quick break. Up next is Mike Max. Paul and Jordana and DJ, uh, look, with the breaking news, uh, Mike Max will be joining us tomorrow. But today we want to just reinforce, if you're just tuning in, the very latest. Uh, the jury has spoken, Jor. Mm-hmm. Yes, uh, there were closing arguments today and now a guilty verdict. Three former Minneapolis police officers have been found guilty in violating the civil rights of George Floyd. J. Alexander King, Thomas Lane and Total charged with depriving Floyd of his civil rights while acting under government authority. King and Tao faced another charge of not intervening to stop their fellow officer. Um, they had all pleaded not guilty. Tao, King, and Lane each face up to life in prison, though, as uh, in our interview with Rachel Paulos, former U.S. District Attorney and professor at St. Thomas, she said uh, that is unlikely to happen. Uh, During closing arguments, the prosecutor, Amanda Sertich, said they chose not to aid George Floyd 
as the window into which Mr. Floyd's life could have been saved slammed shut. They said they had front row seats to Floyd's murder and chose not to do anything, not to help him while Chauvin knelt on Floyd's neck for nine and a half minutes. Uh, powerful, powerful closing statements. We now know the guilty verdict. And Paul, I really think this is the beginning of a sea change in our country. You can no longer just follow orders. You can't claim ignorance. You can't claim I was too inexperienced. You have to be a human being. And we will be better for it when we can act as human beings and think on our own and question authority when it's happening in front of us, especially when it is someone who is in our care, who we are sworn to protect. So we have accountability, and I was hoping there would be healing, and there will be healing, but just when you think there's going to be healing, Dante Wright, Amir Locke, you know, mm -hmm. it, it just goes on and on, and I know it's it's maddening, and it's horrifying, and we, we need to do things better. It's just, but today was, a, again, another step towards justice. Stay, we'll be right back.